It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks for tuning in to this Thursday edition of the podcast. Today, we have Throwback Thursday for you. I have kind of a wild thing to talk about in Reds history. Not necessarily something of your everyday Reds history variety. And I also have just to cover some news and notes of the Reds in the second half of the show. But before we get to all that, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. It's the easiest and fastest way to get your download each and every day. Now to get to Throwback Thursday. There was a stat that I saw, and this was a little over a week ago, on the wonderful Twitter. I know we all have mixed feelings about the social media network known as Twitter, but I tend to find it a pretty good resource, and this is another example of that. I saw a stat that in every single lineup out of 340,000 known starting lineups in the history of Major League Baseball, a starting lineup has been in alphabetical order by last name, not hundreds of times, not dozens of times, but once. Only once. The day was May 12th, 1934. The two teams playing were the Boston Braves and they were at the Cincinnati Reds. In Crosley Field, the Reds were kind of in a... eh, mired in a slump of a start to the season. While the Braves had a 500 start on their hands, the Reds trotted out a lineup that featured four subs and what you would term as their fifth starting pitcher. Statistics on pitching were a little different back then, and I'll get to that in a minute. But in the lineup, they actually went in alphabetical order by last name. And in order to do that, they had to use the four subs that they used because the only known player, if you can think back to the Reds in nineteen, you know, in the 1930s, If any, the one player you could name on the team is Ernie Lombardi, and probably the only reason for that is he was my first Throwback Thursday player that I talked about, but he was out for this game. He set out, and so the starting lineup for the Reds on May 12th of 1934 was as follows. The leadoff batter was Sparky Adams, the third baseman. The second batter was Link Blakely in left field. Batting third was Jim Bottomley, the first baseman. Batting fourth was your center fielder, Chick Hafey. Batting fifth was Mark Koenig at second base. He was the everyday third baseman. He moved over to second base for this game. Batting sixth was Johnny Moore in right field. He didn't play a whole lot that year, but this was one of the few he did play. The catcher batting seventh was Bob O'Farrell, who at the time was also the manager. He wouldn't last the season. Batting eighth was the shortstop, the everyday shortstop, Gordon Slade. And batting ninth and pitching was Alan Stout. And the interesting thing about Stout, kind of like I mentioned, uh, he could have been termed the fifth starter, but when it came to pitching roles, they weren't clearly defined. In fact, the guy that led the 1934 Reds in starts, Paul Derringer, he started 31 games. He also finished 
15 games. That was the second most on the team to Allen Stout. Allen Stout finished 17 games on the year. And just like, you know, leading the team in starts and then also finishing with 15, you know, finishing 15 games, Paul Derringer had a lot of complete games. He actually had 18 complete games on the season, with one of those being a shutout. But due to him finishing 15 games, he had four saves. So not something that you would see nowadays. You you definitely wouldn't see, you know, Sonny Gray coming in to close a game during the regular season, at least not under normal circumstances. But, you know, back then, I mean, Paul Derringer had 261 innings pitched, but I'm kind of getting fixated on Paul Derringer. He wasn't the pitcher that day. Alan Stout was. The ironic thing about it, Alan Stout, like I mentioned, he led the team in games finished. He didn't lead the team in saves. In fact, he only had one save. And he pitched 140 and two-thirds innings that year. He had 41 total games. And this particular game, May 12th of 1934, was one of his 16 starts. So he actually finished more games than he started. So the pitching roles kind of weren't as well-defined back then. And just, you know, everybody kind of did a little bit of everything. And in fact, even so, to kind of mess with you here, Alan Stout started the game for the Reds and then proceeded to pitch two outs. He gave up three runs very quickly in the game. Boston jumped out to a very early lead in the top of the first inning. And in fact, Alan Stout didn't even last the top of the first. He was pulled for Jim Lindsay, who finished the top of the first and then pitched the bottom of the first. He also gave up a few runs. So then they brought in Ray Culp, a 39-year-old pitcher who pitched the majority of the game. He threw six innings after they took out Lindsay, and then Larry Benton finished the game for the Reds in that in this one game. In fact, Benton, he threw one inning. He was the only Reds pitcher to not give up a run in the game as the Boston Braves won 8-2 to two over the Reds. And I mentioned that the Reds kind of had a slow start to the 1934 season. This was their 22nd game of the season, and they lost... Or, and with them losing, it was their 17th loss of the season to that point. So they'd only won five games, and they would only go on to win 47 more games. They finished the year 52-99, and 99, just missing a 100-loss season there. And it was a little bit of a shorter season than we have nowadays. Not much shorter, but a little bit shorter. And like I mentioned, Bob O'Farrell, he was the catcher that game. He was also the manager at the time. He only lasted the first 90 games. He went 30 and 60, and they cut him loose. But that is the only lineup in the history of Major League Baseball that fell in alphabetical order by last name. And I'll mention it again. The lineup was Sparky Adams, Link Blakely, Jim Bottomley, Chick Hafey, Mark Koenig, Johnny Moore, Bob O'Farrell, Gordon Slade, and Alan Stout. Now, some of those awesome, I mean, those were awesome names back then. You just look at historic baseball back in those days, and the names that come up are just amazing. They had a pitcher on the team who, he was 43 years old. He was definitely in the twilight of his career, but it was a pitcher named Dazzy Vance, D-A-Z-Z-Y Vance. He's 43 years old. And, you know, he didn't pitch a ton. He only pitched in six games, and he had 18 innings pitched. But still, I'd love to see a guy named Dazzy nowadays. 
anyway, that's the first half of the show. Kind of a fun little throwback Thursday for you. A nice kind of crazy change of pace. When we come back out of the break, I'm going to talk about some news and notes. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. This is the Locked On Reds podcast on a throwback Thursday. In the first half, I went over the one and only time in Major League Baseball history that a lineup was set in alphabetical order by last name. And now I just kind of want to go over some news and notes. But before we get to that, I want to do a quick plug. Tomorrow's episode, the Phone It In Friday episode, is going to feature Mo Egger. I went down to the studio at ESPN 1530 and got to sit down with Mo for a nice chat. I think you guys will really enjoy that one. So make sure that you are ready to download and listen to the Phone It In Friday this week. I'm really excited for that one to air. So um, definitely enjoy that one. But before we wrap up today's episode, I want to get to a couple of news and notes. Uh, one of the big things that everyone's kind of talking about ever since the Sunny Gray trade is the over-under that has been set for the Reds' win total this season. In fact, before they got Sunny Gray, their over-under was set at 77, and now that they got Sunny Gray, they moved it to 77.5, which is right there with the Pirates. They have the Reds and the Pirates over-under at 77 and a half. And I've been saying it, you know, really ever since the Dodgers trade, and especially now with the Sunny Gray trade, I think they're 500. So I'm taking the over on that. And there's a lot of people that are still really cautious. You know, I mean, they've seen four years in a row of 90 lost seasons. So to say that they're going to be 500, that means that they're automatically assuming a 14 game jump, a 14 win jump from last season. And that's really hard to do. I understand that. But I also think they've added the talent and they already had a lot of the talent within their system. I just think that with this coaching staff, they're going to be able to gel it together. They have the offense to score the runs and now they have the pitching staff to keep the runs off the board. I really think this is going to be a good year in Cincinnati. So the over under, I'm definitely taking the over. I don't, I'm not much of a better. If I, if I put a bet in, I would definitely bet the over on that one, but you know, that's beside the point, not really getting into wagering or anything like that. Taking a look at something else. I saw that John Farrell is returning to the Reds as a pitching consultant. Last year, he kind of served as a scout and on the, you know, kind of an advisor in the front office last season. And he was considered a managerial candidate coming into the year before David Bell got it. And he was even interviewed as such, but it looks like the Reds will bring him in as a pitching consultant. They now officially have 924 pitching coaches. So I really feel like we're going to get some progress here with the arms, but you know, in all seriousness, I, I, I really commend the front office for putting together staff. Obviously, it's really hard to give too much credit before games actually happen, but it just seems like on paper and what we read and what people are saying about them is that this staff is just going to be a phenomenal one to put together. There's guys that are already in good year that are practicing. Um, I heard on the radio today that both Nick Senzel and Jose Peraza are out there right now, you know, getting reps and getting swings in. They're practicing all their fielding and all of that good stuff. They are ready for the season. So as much as you and I are ready to watch some baseball, these guys are even, you know, more amped up and ready to go. And honestly, it gets me excited just thinking about that. And speaking of which, a month from today, 
is the first Reds spring training game. That's right, only a month left until actual real baseball. Okay, yeah, I know, spring training isn't actual real baseball, but you're going to hear the crack of the bat, you're going to hear the pop of the mitt. I just That sort of stuff just makes me feel so, you know, awesome. I don't really know another word for it. It just makes me feel awesome. Looking at something else, um, Red Light Nation posted an article, and I read it a little bit, uh, talking about the rumors. And I, I'd seen someone, someone actually asked it on Twitter, what the possibilities are of the Reds trading for Jack Peterson. Now, I know the Dodgers made the World Series last year, but I don't think we need to go out and trade for their entire outfield. You know, I'm really happy about Puig and Kemp being here, but I didn't think we needed to go make it a trifecta and just bring the LA outfield to Cincinnati. And to be honest with you, when it comes to Jack Peterson, I'm just not, that doesn't really move the needle for me. I mean, maybe if I looked into it really deep or something like that, I could kind of see it. But if if they don't think that Nick Senzel can play center field, then go out and get AJ Pollock or something, you know, I mean, and, and he's the top of the spectrum. So maybe that's, you know, unfair of me to expect the Reds to go out and pay for the top center fielder right now. Obviously, they tried to pay for the top pitcher right now, and they just, you know, they they tried to make an offer there. And, you know, reports are Keiko wanted more years than the Reds were willing to offer, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with how the pitching staff has ended up. If there's still another move left in them, then, hey, that's great too. But, you know, when it comes to center field, and trading for Jack Peterson, that just, it's not really something that I'm, I, I'm excited about. And then the last little bit of news and notes I wanted to get to, I saw that Baseball America released their top 100 prospects for 2019, and the Reds landed five prospects in the top 100. Nick Senzel came in at number 10, Taylor Trammell at number 33, Jonathan India at number 51, Hunter Green at number 57, and Let's see, I remember how Doug Gray pronounces Tony Santillan at number 69. I think I didn't butcher it that time. So, you know, in case Tony Santillan listens to the podcast, I'm sorry for the first time I tried to pronounce your name and I got better this time. But it's nice to see that the farm system is getting recognition for those guys. And it's also nice to see that the Reds haven't had to deal with them to improve. Because, as I've said, even the over-under, so, you know, the over-under set at 77.5, that's still 10 games over what they won last year. So, objectively, people think that they're 10 games better already. And they didn't add that top-flight guy that we thought they might go for. They just, they have a solid rotation of, you know, number two, number three, number four guys that, when you put that all together, it's much better than what they had last year. And looking at the fact that they still have kept their top five prospects, the future still remains bright. They didn't mortgage it in order to get better this year. So it's really encouraging. But I do appreciate you listening to the Throwback Thursday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, tomorrow we'll have Mo Egger on the show joining me for Phone It In Friday. Going to talk about Sonny Gray a little bit and talk about some other things as well. I had a good conversation with him. I'm really looking forward to you listening to that one as well. So thanks for listening to today's episode. This is the Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure you subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Stitcher. It automatically downloads. I mean, hey, who doesn't love automatic downloads? That's all good. So anyway, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.